Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Okay, Peter John Schuler. Hello, it's Peter. Hey, Peter, it's Devin. Do you have a couple minutes? Uh, yeah, I guess so. So I know this uh, press conference took place in somebody's residence. Is that is that right? Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. To yeah, it was a uh, home in Palo Alto. Our campaign is no recall of Judge Persky. And our it was in. I don't know, kind of a family room, and uh, they were introducing Judge Persky, and then he came out. Thank you, Judge Cordell. Every day, in every county in this state, individuals walk into courtrooms, and they see up on the bench a person in a black robe. They are seeking justice. So Judge Aaron Persky's having this press conference in somebody's house. This isn't a normal place to have a press conference, but it's also not normal to hear from a judge like this. Persky is the judge who handed a six-month sentence to a former Stanford swimmer found guilty of sexual assault. Less than a month from now, voters in Santa Clara County will decide whether to recall Judge Persky. It's been more than 80 years since something like this happened. So what are the consequences of recalling a judge? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Back in January 2015, Brock Turner was a freshman at Stanford University. He went to a frat party where he meets a woman. She leaves the party, passes out, and later he's on top of her. And two students came by. The two men chased, tackled, and held 19-year-old Brock Turner until police arrived. Thank you. Thank you for doing the right thing. Those heroes? Two grad students riding bicycles who said they saw the woman lying on the ground with Turner on top of her. Well, tonight a former Stanford swimmer is waiting to learn his punishment after a jury found him guilty today of sexually assaulting a passed-out woman. Brock Turner now faces 10 years in prison for the assault. Earlier this morning, Brock Turner was released from jail after only three months. This is Michelle Dauber. She's a Stanford law professor who's also the chair of the campaign to recall Judge Persky. He was convicted of three serious felony sex crimes. Rather than impose the minimum two-year sentence, Judge Persky bent over backwards to grant Turner probation. His victim did not receive justice. When you first hear about the story, you can't help but to be infuriated about what happened. It is a disturbing story. And it's also kind of confusing to think, how did Brock Turner get such a light sentence? He only served three months of jail time. He faced 14 years. 
Then after some time, I started seeing comments from attorneys or public defenders and DAs who actually opposed the recall effort. And it made me wonder, what's so bad about recalling a judge? Why don't they want this to happen? And why hasn't it happened in so long? So I called up Jessica Levinson, who's an elections law professor at Loyola Law School, and I asked. It's hard not to be angry over what happened. And I know that judges have to stay within the law, but do judges ever make their decisions based on emotion and public pressure? Look, judges are humans. So, of course, I think emotion would weigh into their decisions. That's why you have victim impact statements. That's why you have testimony at sentencing about, you know, this person is actually a wonderful person who just uh, made one mistake, or actually this person is a repeat offender and they never deserve to see the light of day again. So all of those statements are trying to play to the judge and trying to ask him or her to consider the facts and circumstances and to not check the fact that they're a human being at the door and to make their determination. So how common is it for a judge to go along with what the probation officer recommends in a case like this, in a, in a sexual assault case like this? I think that it is not at all rare for judges to follow the advice of probation officers. They'll look at what the prosecution is asking for, what the defense is asking for. They'll look at the probation report. They'll look at how much discretion they're allowed, and then they'll impose a sentence. So I don't think that this was off the charts in terms of being unique. I think it is clearly a very lenient sentence for the crime. It's not a sentence that I would have wanted him to impose. It's not a sentence that, frankly, I think most people who oppose the recall would have wanted him to impose. What, what I find so interesting about this specific case is, on the one hand, you have public pressure from advocates who want sexual assault to be taken more seriously. You also have public figures like U.S. Senator Kamala Harris and state uh, Senate President Pro Tem Kevin DeLeon coming out in favor of a recall. On the other hand, you have DAs and you have public defenders who think that Persky should stay on the bench. What that shows you is that from the prosecutors to the defense attorneys to other members of the bar, people understand that judges are really the last stop of the train of tyranny of the majority. This isn't about whether or not we like this particular decision. I think, again, most people do not. I do not want to defend this decision. I don't like it at all. But I think it's very dangerous to send the message to judges that the people are watching you to determine whether or not we like your sentences, because that's not the role of judges to do what they think is popular. That's the role of elected officials who serve in the executive or legislative branches. How 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 rare is it for a judge to publicly come out and defend himself like Judge Persky? I think everything about this is rare. Uh, recalling a judge is very rare, as it should be. Um, and I think a judge coming out and defending himself is very rare. So why have I remained silent until recently? Well, I think judges typically should accept criticism of their decisions. It's legitimate. It's an absolutely justified avenue of public discourse. We should sit, we should listen, we should take it. We should take criticism from social media, take criticism from cable news, take criticism from print journalism. But the recall takes it one step too far. The recall, if successful, threatens the integrity of our justice system. 
and it demands a response. Judges are really limited in what they can say during campaigns or what they can say to defend themselves in recalls. There's a whole host of problems with judicial elections, but one of them is that while judges stand for elections like other elected officials, they can't really say as much as other elected officials. So everything about this circumstance is rare. What do you think this tells us about the way we pick our judges? Um, To me, it's a small part of the problem of asking judges to run for election at all. People overwhelmingly don't know anything about judges other than their name, which indicates their gender and their racial background, and then their um, ballot title, which has the law about that has now been changed. So you really can't include that much specificity. And so people are voting on judges based on very little information. Jessica, thanks. Appreciate it. Sure. The election is coming up on June 5th. Only voters in Santa Clara County are going to be voting on this issue. And they'll be voting on two things. One, whether to recall Judge Persky. And two, who would replace him. Judge Persky has another four years on his current term. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. All right, KQED fans, The Leap is back for a new season starting May 15th. It's a podcast all about people who've undergone dramatic, risky change. In this upcoming season, you'll meet a punk rocker turned Kurdish freedom fighter and a professional dancer who poses as an attorney for her parents' approval. Damn. Find The Leap wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.